0: Trade Union arrives at the employer's workplace claiming that they have the right to access the workplace. Do they really? This is Stuff Employers Should Know.
1: Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know. Proudly brought to you by LabourLink, Management's
0: ultimate HR solution. And welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis and over there is Yasser yes Yesslak like at Ismail, well, who's still fasting and definitely not fast asleep, keeping his finger on the button that ensures that I sound okay to everybody. Today, we are joined by Kourbis Leroux, litigation manager for LabourNet in Pretoria. And we're going to be discussing, what I'd really say, it's quite a hot topic. It's uh, uh, one that gets asked of us quite often, and it happens where registered trade unions are exercising their rights at employers' workplaces, generally, where there is a scenario of them arriving at the workplace and wanting to start engaging with an employer. But we see that more often than not, employers are. From the get-go, already have this perceived almost animosity towards them, uh, them, them-us situation form straight away, when they're forgetting that it's organized labor, it's somebody that's acting on a mandate from their employees, and they should then start engaging them. But what are the rights? Because there's often a lot of misconceptions about when the union arrives and starts demanding access or demanding uh, information and the like. But we can see that the Labor Relations Act
1: specifically is promoting um, organized labor. Yes, okay? yes, sure, Barry. So good afternoon to you yes. and the listeners. <laughs> so section four, it's clearly in the Labor Relations Act, every employee has the right to freedom of association. The employee has the right to participate in forming a trade union or federation of trade unions and to join a trade union. Um, and those rights are entrenched in the Labor Relations Act. So that's very important to, to start off there. Yeah, so those are rights of employees, specifically, as yes. you were
0: saying. Um, and then... The recognition by the Labor Relations Act of trade unions and specifically registered trade unions. So yes. w- when it speaks about registered
1: trade unions, what's a registered trade union? Well, a registered trade union is a union registered with the Department of Labor. They have a constitution um, and obviously they act according to this constitution.
0: Yeah, so... It's not just anybody who decides that, you know, as we said, right to join and form a trade union. So it's only the Act prescribes certain rights to those that are registered, recognized by the Department of Labor, as you were saying. So. When it comes to the rights to registered trade unions, to to exercise the rights in the workplace, specifically what we refer to as organisational rights,
1: what are these organisational rights that trade unions um, have access to? Well, these rights are in the Labor Relations Act. Obviously, Section 12 is trade union access to the workplace. You get the Section 13 right. That's the trade union's right uh, to union subscriptions. That would basically be where the employer deducts the subscriptions on behalf of the employees. Exactly. Section 14 is the right to elect trade union representatives. That's, That's your, your shop stewards. That's yep. correct. And then Section 15 is your leave for trade union activities. And Section 16 is access to information. Important to note, Barry, that obviously you get your sufficiently representative Trade union, as well as your majority trade union, and this will depend. So that's on which all right based.
0: That's all based on the amount of members a trade union has in a particular workplace. Yeah, sure. That would what would determine whether they are, as you said, majority or sufficiently represented. Exactly, majority I suppose is the obvious. Fifty percent plus one, so more than fifty, which means that no other union can enjoy more members than yourself. Yes. Majority trade union, as well as a sufficiently represented. So what would be a
1: um sufficiently represented trade union? So that would be a trade union union with significant interest in the workplace. Um, so, for example, you can have 10 employees and you can have one employee. That's 1% of you, but that's only one employee. But you can have 50,000 employees and 10,000 can belong to a trade union. That's sufficiently represented. Even if it's not like they normally say the rule of thumb, which is 30%, it doesn't mean... It's 30%. a subjective test. It's and a the, subjective test, and yeah. that's why our commissioners will apply their mind as well. So any
0: dispute, and I mean we're gonna get there, any dispute about whether a trade union is sufficiently represented or not, can be decided on by the commission, who would then go and take into account totality of circumstances.
1: Yes. No, that's definitely
0: true. Now um let's get straight to the the the, the main question of the podcast, which is Yes we've now spoke about these five rights that you spoke of so, I mean obviously we we've, we've, we've spoke about uh, um the right to um access to information access to the workplace um now these are quite serious rights um do all trade unions get these, or how are they split amongst the the representativeness of, it, of of the trade unions? Sorry.
1: Well, if we spoke about sufficiently representative trade unions, so basically what that means is you'll get your section twelve right, you'll get your section thirteen right. So that's guaranteed um, for majority trade unions as well as sufficiently represented trade unions. And then a majority, majority, gets then them all. Get you <laughs> get all your extra, all, all the fun rights, the extra rights. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So um,
0: okay. So we spoke about the 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 rights um, from all the way from um, uh, access to to access to information. Now we said that these are uh, proportionally available based on the amount of representation that a, yes. a, a trade union experiences in a particular workplace. Now the the main question do they automatically have access to these rights? No,
1: no, you don't have automatically. access to rights. So they can't just, a, the, you know, I'm a registered trade union, I've got members, now I have access to No, no, unfortunately it doesn't work like that. I mean, you have to, if if you want to bargain with the union, yes, you can bargain as an employer, but you can refuse to bargain as well. I mean, then a union can refer to a CCMA and then you can obtain those rights. But okay. it's not automatically given to you.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the process in terms of Section 21. So, as you say, the 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 union has to first of all notify or serve on the employer notice. Yes.
1: What does yes. that notice well, contain? Well, they, they need to include, obviously, their certification. That needs to be um, from the Department of Labor. They need to include their membership list. They need to show what types of right they rights they actually want to exercise. And then they need to... And where they want to exercise. Um, yes, yes, rights. exactly.
0: And um, once that has been served on the employer, okay, so basically saying this is the rights that we want to exercise, this is where we want to exercise those rights,
1: what happens then? Well, I mean, then it's the onus is then on the employer to either decide whether or not they're going to approach this union and then collectively bargain. If they don't get any joy from the employer in a period of 30 days elapsed, then they can refer the matter to the CCMA. Then for okay, so one there. of two
0: things can kind of happen: is that the the employer refuses to meet with the trade union, yes. or um, let's say meets with the trade union, but then let's say doesn't they agree. Enjoy, yeah. They don't. They don't. They don't agree with um, what the the requests are from the trade union. So let's say then obviously there's a the matter then goes into a deadlock. There's yeah. a dispute. Yes. Then the trade union refers a dispute to the CCMA or bargaining council, depending on where the jurisdiction
1: is, and then? Well, then the commission will conciliate the matter, which means they'll, again, try and resolve this matter and see if they can't find an agreement between the parties. If not, then they will issue a certificate with the the advisory award, then... And now has the union has, a, has, a, has an option now. Now this is where two. There's, there's two, two, two options.
0: options. So instead of like with most disputes where the union uh, would then refer it to arbitration, what's the other option? Well, they, they can have? go on strike as well. And what's interesting to notice is that that's one of the rights disputes that uh, employees are entitled exclusions. to actually go and go on strike about. Yes. But they have to choose one of two. They can't yes. choose one, not getting their way, and then going the other route. So let's say, for example, they don't embark on a protected strike, okay, and just just to ensure that when they, it doesn't mean obviously down tools right there, and then they have to follow the same provisions, give the appropriate 48 hours notice and the like, or depending on who the employer is, how much notice. But let's say, for example, they opt for that arbitration route. So what um, conditions or considerations does a Commissioner, take into account in deciding whether they're going to grant the organizational rights to the trade union or not. Yeah, so
1: there's, there's a few factors, Barry. So, first, they will look at the membership count, they will look at the history of the union in the workplace, they will also look at uh, what harm it can cause to the employer. They don't want to encourage proliferation in the workplace as well so what that basically means is is that they
0: don't want they, they, they want to actually encourage a majority trade unions rather than um numerous minorities that are going to then cause that proliferation for now. Of, creates yeah, for a creates of hard play a hardship for employers. yeah for now i mean that's that's what the access for <laughs> now so. so um then they will decide to then grant it or not okay so where we went through this process, the Section 21 process, can a minority, and I say that not a sufficiently represented but or a majority represented trade union, but let's say a trade union that really represents a minority
1: of the workplace, can they go through the same process? They can also refer to the CSMO. They also have those rights. It doesn't mean if you're a minority trade union you don't have any rights, but they're going to struggle. Yes. They're going to have a difficult time. because, Like we said, the act at this stage and case law promotes the majority union. So, so, approach.
0: And 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 I think what the employers should consider with that is is the again there's that significant interest because you might it might be significant role players within the organization. They might not form the percentage, but we have to ask yourself again, if they embark on a protected strike, how long can they go with or how long can the employer go without their labor? How long can they go without obviously paying that scenario? So it really depends on what they do and what interest they have in that workplace. Because even if it's a minority, they might affect the production or the operations of that business significantly, that it might get the employer's attention mm, if they're right. as an organized bargaining unit then start, yes. start doing things. Um, you spoke about uh, one of the organizational rights, particularly being the access to information. Um that's section sixteen. Now access to information is obviously quite a serious thing. Um, you know th- it entitles them to employers information that the employer wouldn't give up to to any other um, uh, parties. but what don't they have access to?
1: Well, I mean there's a lot of information that's privileged. so there's uh, there's uh, for instance, uh, uh, if there's no permission from from employees, to give their personal details. That would be an example, privileged information. And again, um, with most of these
0: things, what happens? Employer will go and say, sorry, that's
1: legally privileged. Most of the time, the employer, <laughs> everything to them is privileged. So Correct. And that's not the case. I mean, you you will need this information, obviously, to be relevant. They can't say they want information that's totally not relevant to the certain meeting, dispute, or uh, let's say, for instance, it's a retrenchment process. Yes. If it's not relevant to the retrenchment process, then the inf- information is not relevant.
0: And that classic age-old request, it's always, I want the financials. Financials. So, so let's say, for example, there is a dispute about the access of information or the employer refuses to give that information. Yes. What,
1: what, what does a trade union then do? Well, again, they can refer to, to the CSMA and a commissioner will then look at what harm will be caused to either the employer if the information is disclosed or to the union if this information is then withheld. And they will then do a balancing test and they will make a award on that. 100%. So the balance of harm
0: test effectively. It. They want to make sure that one party is not more more prejudiced than the other yes. with regards to that. Um, and, and finishing off really – understanding that these are rights that they have. So nothing can stop a trade union from exercising these rights. Just like an employer has the right to run his business in a way that it sees fit, these rights that are bestowed on organized labor give them these rights. So employers generally should not go and try and you know, add barriers at every level to try and stop organized labor because it's the will of their people, right? Yeah. Barry, what is the I approach they should take?
1: It's, it's, it's going to cause your business much more harm at the end of the day. But obviously there's certain rules that they need to follow. There's yes. this we've got our act, they've got their rights, they've got their process to follow, but we need to approach this with caution. So if you're going to refuse to bargain, let's say with a union that's got fifty percent plus, you're going to have this harmony in the workplace. There's going to be unproductive employees. You're going to have the union there each and every day. You're going to have CCMA matters. So I would encourage to at least listen them out if they have the right paperwork and give them an opportunity. If you start off that relationship from the get-go and you encourage that relationship, it's going to, to benefit you at the end of the day.
0: And it's something that's going to be in another episode, but employers need to understand the power of a collective Agreement yeah and the power of collective agreements and uh, the the enforceability of collective agreements when entered into uh, with with trade unions and the like so really I think that the the, the underlying message is, is that employers should rather put more effort into embracing and keeping uh, you know the trade unions which is effectively the the will of their employees it's their yes. mand. it's the mandated um uh, com- combined voice of their employees and manage that within the rules understanding their rights rather than just trying to make it to them and us situation because it's not as you say the trade union they shouldn't see it as something separate to their employees mm. they should see it as a mandated version of their employees that they should use to communicate with their employees however that we've been seeing a lot of situations, a lot in the media, um, where political parties are getting involved with employers and going and knocking on employers' doors, um, almost wanting to exercise rights in the same manner um, as what trade unions and who trade unions who actually bear those rights are doing. What what do employers do when political parties or non-registered trade unions
1: well, I mean, yeah, arrive at their door? It's a straightforward answer. You're not going to allow them there. Somewhere you need to draw the line. So there's an interesting case... Calgon Lounge versus National Union of Furniture and Allied Workers Union of South Africa and other case, long name. It says the call out there. The deliberate design of the LRA is to designate the task of dealing with workplace disputes to employers' organizations, trade unions, and workplace forums. I don't hear any political parties mentioned there. So that's out of case, law little straight. We're not going to bargain with them.
0: And that being said, I think that's a good way to, to end today's session. Um, yes. on that round so thank you for your time today pleasure that concludes this episode of stuff employers should know as i say every week if you want to get in touch drop us an email at sesk at or hit us up on any of the social media platforms so from myself and yas and quibus till next episode please stay safe and cheers
1: Stuff Employer Should Know was proudly brought to you by LaborNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employer Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.